So, okay, as we're going, I want everybody to say thank you, Dylan. Because you may not know this, but as we're getting ready to go into worship, uh, my mic was still on. You really need to thank Dylan because Dylan's like, your mic is on. You did not want to hear me going, well, I don't say anything else. Boy. You did not want to hear that. So thank you, Dylan, for saving me and saving all you guys, all right? So, because I cannot sing. That is not me, all right? So this morning, we are starting a new um, message series, sermon series called Hills and Valleys. Hills and Valleys. Because um, I felt like the Lord was talking about, it's sort of an add-on to the Deeply Rooted series in that in our Christian walk, there are highs and lows. Anybody experience it? Sometimes we have multiple highs and lows in a day. Sometimes it's weeks at a time. Sometimes it's months at a time. Um, and I want to read to you. We're going to be in Mark chapter 9. So if you want to go ahead and turn or swap to Mark chapter 9, we're going to be there in just a minute. But I want to read you a, a, a scripture uh, out of the Old Testament, out of 1 Kings this morning before we get there. But if you want to go ahead and put your, uh, you know, your, this is called a thingy. You put your thingy in Mark chapter 9. Put that there. That's where we're going to be in just a minute. So let me read to you this little blip, little story out of 1 Kings, okay? So it says in uh, 1 Kings chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. In the spring, Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the people of Israel were mustered and were provisioned and went against them. They must have liked mustard instead of ketchup because there's mustard used twice in the same scripture. Okay. And the people of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats. But the Syrians filled the country. And so you have Israel and this great army coming against them. And it said they just looked like a flock of goats compared to this army that was coming against them. And a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Because the Syrians have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore I will give all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord, or Yahweh. So here is the thing. The Syrians thought... God is only a God of the hills. He's not going to help them in the valleys. So if we get them in the valley, we're going to beat them. And the Lord says, because they have said that, I'm going to prove to everyone that I am the Lord. I'm not only the Lord of the hills and the mountaintops, but I'm the Lord of the valleys. And there is nowhere on this planet that you can go that I'm not Lord. Okay? And so the enemy sometimes wants to come against us when we're going through those valleys. And let's just talk about what a valley is. So we have those high moments where everything is going great. You come out of a, a revival service or you come out of the most awesome prayer time you've ever had or there's a worship service that just really moves you or something like that. And, and so you're on this spiritual high and there's a place for that and we want that and we're going to talk about that this morning. But then there are also times when it just feels like, where, where did that go? Where did that feeling go? Now, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's Wednesday and I'm going through this hard week and it's a, it, you know, Sunday, this past Sunday, Easter was great, but now it's Wednesday. That seems like a long way away. Next Sunday's a long way away. What do I do today? And I'm just not feeling it. And so we want to talk through this series about 
the benefits of the mountaintops and what we can learn in the valleys. Okay, because again, the enemy wants to convince you when you're experiencing the valley, God's not there. And that's a lie. The Bible tells us in Romans that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Right? And so no matter how we're feeling or what we're going through, we're still in the presence of God. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, as he closed out the book there, he said that I, or actually, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 28, he says that, and I will be with you even till the end of the age. So he's never going to leave us, right? Even when we're in the valley, even when we're not feeling the goosebumps and all that. Okay, so let's turn now to Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to be reading, uh, think about the first 14 verses, Mark chapter 9. Um, actually, I'm going to start with verse 2. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. So we're going to be talking about a mountaintop experience today. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking to Jesus. Just, just for a moment, picture yourself, you're Peter, James, or John, and Jesus says, let's go up on a mountain, and you think we're going to go up there and pray or whatever, and all this begins to happen. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah show up. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. As they went back down the mountain, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. Then they asked him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? And Jesus responded, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. Yet why do the scriptures say that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they chose to abuse him just as the scriptures predicted. And when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. <laughs> so this morning, here's the big idea. Mountaintops inspire us, but valleys mature us. Mountaintops inspire us, but valleys mature us. And we need both. We need to be inspired and, and so we see in this story that they go up on this mountaintop and this fabulous thing happens. It, it, it's amazing what happens there, what these three guys got to experience. But then you notice towards the end of that story, they come back down the mountain and what they find? People arguing. And so we're, next week we're going to finish in Mark chapter 9 and we're going to talk about everything they find when they get to the bottom of the mountain. But today we're really going to concentrate on some lessons from the mountaintop. Some things that we can learn from their experience on the mountain. And, and so, 
God wants us to, you know, there, there are those who say, you know, you're, you're chasing a feeling or you're chasing emotions. And this is not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about experience those spiritual highs. Those moments when you first give your life to Jesus and you think, man, there's nothing better. The, the, the moment when you are praying and you're, you feel like you've been transfigured and you're in the presence of God. Anybody ever been there? I mean, you know, or, or the Holy Spirit just begins to move in your life and you just, man, your whole body becomes electric and, and everything becomes different and clear. Those are things that, that some would say don't chase after that. But I'm saying that we do need to chase after that, but it has, can't be the only thing. Okay, because there's, there's things that we can learn while we're on the mountain. There's also things God wants us to learn when we're in the valley. And today we're going to talk, talk about what we learn on the mountaintop. So we see that, number one, here's lesson number one. When we're on the mountaintop experience, we can see things that we can't see anywhere else, or we can see things we've never seen before. So on the mountaintop, they see Jesus different than they've ever seen him. They've been living with him walking with him, preaching alongside of him, learning from him. But on the mountaintop, they see Jesus transfigured almost like he's in his, he's in his heavenly state. He, he's white as snow. He's, he says whiter than, than any bleach can make him. And so they see him there. And then they also, they see Moses and Elijah. And so in those moments when we are just full of the Holy Spirit, or in those moments when we're just lost in worship, or we're praying, and all of a sudden we just feel like we, we're not just praying to a God who's up there, we're praying to a God who's right here. Amen. You ever been there? In those moments, we can begin to see things that we've never seen before, and I'm talking spiritually, maybe physically. Maybe physically as well. We begin to have visions. We begin to see things. Or that thing that didn't make sense five minutes ago now makes sense because we're getting a heavenly vision. Or we're not really sure what we're supposed to do next. But all of a sudden we have a vision. We have spiritual vision of what we're supposed to be doing next and where we're going and what we're doing. And, and so thank God those times that we can begin to see things. So that's why we need, to, we need to pursue the mountaintop experiences. That's why we need to stay a few extra moments in our prayer closet. Or we need to worship a little longer. Or we need to fast another day. Or whatever it is to, to experience that thing so that we can begin to see. Because there's some things that we can only see when we're in the presence of God. And we are at this mountaintop experience, right? And so we need to pursue those things. And don't let the world tell you that that's just chasing a feeling. There is that. But I also can tell you from my personal experience, there's are authentic times of being in the presence of God when, man, you just do not want to leave. You do not want to leave there, right? And so we see things. Lesson number two. It's better to remain silent than then say something you're not sure of. Now notice Peter says, 
Uh, let's build three shelters, one for you and Moses and Elijah. And it says that he only said it because he really didn't know what else to say, but he was just so terrified and he was excited and he just said something. My, my grandfather used to have a plaque in, uh, he was, when I knew him, he was a lot of things. He was a judge, a lot of things. When I knew him, he was a barber. And in his barber shop, he had this uh, plaque that said, it's better to remain silent and thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. And sometimes it's better to remain silent. Y'all must have heard that because I like that. Brother. What am I saying? And, and, here's, and here's what I think we should learn from this. Sometimes in these mountaintop experiences, man, we can get so excited. And our flesh is so excited that all of a sudden, I've got a word from the Lord, brother. And maybe... You do, and maybe you don't. And maybe in the excitement, we need to take a moment, and Peter would have been probably better off here if he'd thought, let me check this. Before I say something, let me just run this through the wisdom filter. Let me think about it for a moment. Because not just because we feel something, because we have this experience with the Lord, doesn't mean that we always have to say something. Sometimes there is something we get a word from the Lord and it's time to come out of the mountaintop and go speak it. But there's other times it's better really just to sit before the Lord. And if he speaks something to us, we begin to say, okay, is that for me? Is that for everybody? If the Lord showed me something about somebody else, is that for me to go out and tell or preach or share? Or is that just for me to know and to pray? And because I've seen through the years, people out of excitement, God's moving in a service. Man, God's moving. And all of a sudden, there's the, you know, I got to say something. And sometimes it's right, and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's because they're like Peter, and they really don't know what else to do, so they think they got to say something. And so we can, for in those moments, hear from the Lord, enjoy the Lord, but Run this through the filter of the Word of God. Run it through the Holy Spirit. Run it through somebody you trust and say, I think God wants me to say something. You know, good old Peter, man. There was times, talking about mountains and valleys. You, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. Yes, mountaintop. Jesus, surely you cannot be the one who's going to die on the cross. Get behind me, Satan. Valley. Right? And so sometimes opening our mouth is the right thing. Sometimes opening our mouth is the wrong thing and so it's good to always take a moment and just say okay God what are you doing here is this really what you want me to do what you want me to say lesson number three we can also hear from the Lord and get revelation and instruction there in that moment they heard God say my dearly loved son this is my dearly loved son listen to him it was in while Elijah was on a mountaintop in a cave that he heard the still, small voice. In those moments, not only do we see things maybe different than we've ever seen them, but we can hear things we've never heard before. And listen, don't we need to hear the Word of the Lord? Don't we need to hear God's instruction? When, when there, there are times... Man, when I've, I'm, I'm reading the Word, and it's like, okay, I get it, but I don't get it. I, I don't know what you want me to do with this. I, I, I don't, 
this makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. I hear what you're saying, God, but I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. And I can tell the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And that's when I need to begin to seek His presence in a way that brings me into this place, this mountaintop experience where I can hear God and hear what He's telling me. Because I'm going to tell you, as, as the church today, we need to hear the voice of God. There are plenty of other voices out there. There's a million voices trying to tell you how you're supposed to live. A million voices trying to tell you what success is and what's not success and what the church is supposed to look like and what it's not supposed to look like and what a Christian is supposed to look like and how they're not supposed to live. And there's all these things, these voices, and there's only one voice as we sing about, you're my one thing. There's one voice that really should be leading us. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's the voice of God. And that's why we need to get into these places of His presence in this supernatural, elevated sense of His presence so we can hear His voice. And if you're not hearing His voice, I just want to encourage you, man, to just begin to get in His presence. You can get it through worship. You can get in it through prayer or prayer and worship. Get into His Word. Combine those three. It's powerful. And just spend the time there until you hear Him. Until you hear him, because we need to hear him. Listen, I, I've got to make decisions every day. You do too. We all got to make decisions every day of our life. Some of them are small decisions. Some of them, big decisions. And we don't need to be making those decisions without hearing God. And in his presence, in the mountaintop experience, we can hear things we've never heard before. It was when Moses was on the mountain that he received the law. Remember that? When he was on the mountain, God called him up on the mountain to give him the Ten Commandments and give him the law. It was while he was on that mountain that he heard the voice of God and he met with him face to face. And so, man, we, don't you want to do that? Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to hear the voice of God like that? And we hear the voice sometimes most clearly in those moments. In those moments. Also, Lesson number four, there's a time and place to share what you receive on the mountain. Sort of talked about that a minute ago, but here's what happened. So it says, as they went back down the mountain, Jesus told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And probably because Peter had already opened his mouth, he's like, don't go down there talking about what Jesus saw. Now, if you are in this moment, you're like judging Peter. Man, Peter, he, he said something dumb. Listen, we wouldn't be, we'd be like, hey, Moses, Elijah, can I take a selfie? Post it. Look who I ran into today. Hashtag Ten Commandments. Hashtag Fire from Heaven. Big fan. Something like that. We'd be just, you know, hey, Jesus, take a picture. Me, Elijah, Moses, let's take a But what he's telling them here is, you saw some stuff up here that I invited you into. And there's going to be a time and a place I want you to share it. But it's not when we get right down to the bottom of the mountain. There's going to be a time and a place. Sometimes when we share things too early, or we share them to the wrong audience at the wrong time, it comes back to bite us. Remember Joseph shared those dreams? He had those powerful dreams. And he, he shares them with his brothers. And they didn't like it. And sometimes God will show us things in our prayer closet that 
he says, okay, I'm showing you this. I'm trusting you with this information. I'm trusting you with this word from the Lord. I'm trusting you with this revelation, but I don't want you to share it yet. King Solomon brings in people and he begins to show them all of his treasures. And sometimes there's a time to share the treasure and there's sometimes there's a time to be like Mary and says that Mary treasured these things up in her heart. And she just kept them there and she pondered on these things. And we know that there was a time when she did share it because it's recorded in, in, those, in the Gospels. And, and so when we are in these mountaintop experiences and when we hear from the Lord and we get revelation and we get instruction, and again, we need instruction in those things, we need to ask the Lord, when do you want me to share this or do you ever want me to share it? Because this may be revelation for you. Everything the Lord tells you is not for you to share. Do you know that? Sometimes it's just for you to know and for you to take before the Lord day after day after day and pray. Sometimes it's for you to share. But timing is essential. Timing is the thing. You, you can just come out of your prayer closet and go, Hey, let me, tell you, let me tell you what God just told me. And it could be totally wrong. And Jesus was being very clear here. Guys, when you get down to the bottom of the mountain, I've shown you this. You've heard these things, but do not say anything about it until I've been resurrected. And so if God's been showing you something, I mean, he may want you to share it today. He may want you to share it with somebody tomorrow. But let's make sure that we're hearing from the Lord. When, not just what, but when. Right? It's, it's so important. Lesson number five, what goes up must come down. And so know this, that when we're on the mountaintop, there's going to be a day when he says, let's go down back to the valley. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's life. That's life. There are those moments, maybe, maybe as a, a kid, you went to church camp and you came home and you're like, I'm going to tell every friend I've got about Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to evangelize my whole school. Or, or you went to a conference or you went somewhere like the ramp or you went somewhere and it's just saturated with the presence of God and you come back and you're going, man, I'm never going to sin again. I'm never going to do anything wrong again. And from, from now on, everybody I meet is going to hear about Jesus. I'm going to pray five hours a day. I'm going to read the whole Bible this week. I'm going to do everything so great because I love Jesus. And those are great moments. But then don't we find out that there's always a time to come down off the mountain. Amen. And there's a time when we just begin to live life and it's sort of the excitement has dissipated. And, and that's not to say that what we experienced there wasn't real. We should continue to seek those moments. But also know that every time that we have those moments, there's going to be the time when Jesus says, okay, now let's go back down to the mountain or back down to the valley and neither is wrong Amen. 
It's not like when we're on the mountain that we're loved by God and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Lord loves us and, and we're doing good. And now all of a sudden I'm back down to the mountain and I, and I walk in and what do we, they walk into? Arguing. It's not like Jesus quit loving them then. It's not like Jesus left them then. He was with them the whole time. And one of the greatest promises Jesus gives us is that I will be with you. I'll be with you. Do you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, that right now, this very moment, Jesus is with you? Amen. And whether you're feeling a high or you're feeling a low, or you've, you've got it figured out, or you know nothing, Jesus says, if you're my follower, I will never leave you. And so in this moment, Jesus is in this room. Regardless of what your week was like, regardless of what your week is going to be like, regardless of what you experienced this morning on the way to church, Jesus is with you. He's with you. Up, down, mountaintop, valley. Jesus is with you. And if He's with you, He's going to be the same Jesus we read about in the Gospels, right? Okay, so last... Um, last lesson we can learn from the mountaintop this morning. Mountaintop experiences don't reveal everything and sometimes leave us, with, leave us with more questions. So it's interesting to me that after they saw um, Moses and Elijah and they saw Jesus transfigured and all that takes place, that coming down the mountain, they start asking Jesus more questions. Probably not the questions I would have asked, but they're asking questions. And sometimes... I've been in those moments when the presence of God was so thick, I came out with more questions. It's like, Lord, what was that? How do I get there again? What were you trying to show me through that? How am I supposed to change from that? And those are good things. Have you ever been in a, a, a service when you saw things happening that you've never seen before? You, you saw the manifestation of the Holy Spirit on people that you've never seen before. And, and the, the first reaction is, go, that ain't God. Come on, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Y'all been there too. And sometimes we, we come to these places of, you know, that we're on this mountaintop. And I'm watching over here, this thing happened just like... Peter, James, and John were watching Elijah and Moses show up and Jesus turn all white. And, and I'm watching somebody over here and the manifestation of God's coming on their life. And it'd be really easy for me to say, that ain't God. But it, it may just be that God's prompting some questions in me. And having questions is not a bad thing. And so maybe this morning you came in here with some questions. Maybe your whole being is just full of just a one big question mark right now. You know, you're just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what he's talking about. What were they doing while he was, they were singing? And I want to tell you, it's a great place to be when you're asking questions. When you're saying, Lord, what is this? Lord, what am I feeling? Jesus, who are you? How do I get saved? 
What does getting saved mean? What, what's my role in the church? Is this what church is supposed to look like? A lot of questions. And I want to tell you that in the presence of the Lord, many times what God does in my life is He raises some more questions so that He can lead me to a place where He can answer them later. And sometimes it's digging them out right here. So, Lord, I feel like, what, what is this? Let me find what the Word of God says. Let me, let me go to a brother or a sister that I really trust in the Lord and have them pray. Or maybe I just need to stay in the presence of the Lord long enough to hear His voice. But listen, if you came in this morning and you're nothing but a question and you're doubting everything you're seeing and you're doubting everything you're hearing and it's all weird to you, imagine seeing G Moses and Elijah show up on this stage. Questions. But lean into the questions. Lean into them. Don't let those cause you to run away. Cause them, let them cause you to lean towards the things of God. To look in the Bible. To look to a brother or sister you know is a follower of Christ. To begin to pray and ask God. Because here's the thing, guys. Jesus, more than anything else, wants to have a personal relationship with you. Personal, not, not some far off, vague notion of a God. Jesus died on a cross, shed his blood, went to a grave, rose three days later, so that he could have a personal relationship with you. And when you have the questions, you've got the person to ask Jesus, what are you trying to show me? Jesus, what did this mean? Jesus, you know, they were saying, what did he mean by this? Jesus knew their thoughts. He didn't rebuke them. And so if you've got questions this morning, Jesus has the answer. And Jesus is the answer. Amen. Would you stand with me?